Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear, speaking of bears, in studio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening in here in Acadiana. It's nice and cool outside here in the summer. Yeah, nice, crisp, 101 degrees. And everyone listening on the podcast, thanks for being a part of the show. I did get in my vehicle yesterday, and the thermometer said 109. Wow. Now, my truck was sitting in a hot parking lot all day, so I know that that affects it. So, Mm -hmm. you know... There's the heat index, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the actual heat, you know, and yeah. then you combine it all and and then it's hot. Well, I was driving around on that same day. So like driving around, not sitting in the parking lot, and it got up to 101. 101. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like actual temperature. Yeah. So, you know, but we deal with it. Yeah, what else you can do? You know, do? I'm still mow my grass. I still go for a run, work out. I mean, I you just kind of have to couch. say, like, yeah. I'm going to get hot. It's sort of like if you live in the frozen tundra during the winter, like right. way up north or Canada. Yep. And you just say, look, I still have to live my life. I'm going to go for a run, and it's minus 20. I just know it's going to be cold. Right. Right? You just kind of deal with it. You do. We do have listeners in Alaska. We so do. I bet they're like, yeah, that's how you do it. Now, the... Our Alaskans right now are really joining a nice season of life. Yeah, they're living their best life up there. Or maybe they maybe they think it's incredibly hot. No. Man, it's like 50 degrees. How are we going to survive? I think the human spirit recognizes <laughs> when when the weather's 60 and sunny. I, I, think, I think that's cross-pollinated around the globe. That the, You're probably right. The human mind and heart is conditioned to recognize... 60 degrees and sunny. You're probably right. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. so, uh, okay, so here we go. Have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? Yeah, I am for real. I actually have the have you seen this I week. love it. You do love it. Yeah, I'm excited. Why? I don't know. It's just fun. Oh, because you get to be surprised. Right, exactly. Okay. Like, I don't know what's coming. So, this past year, you got a new nickname. Deacon I Bear. I did. I don't know how much it's sticking. I know with my mother, she loves I it. I met your mother. Yes, you did. And she said, Deacon at, Bear. At my daughter's wedding. And mm-hmm. she was very happy to meet you. Yeah. You know, which is good. My mom's a, a very sweet, loving person, and she just loves everyone. So she got to meet Deacon Bear. So, you know, with that nickname, she called you that, which was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I was standing right there. <laughs> so anyway, there's a show on Netflix. It's a series called Alone. Have you ever seen this? No. Okay, so they're on like their their ninth season, but I'm just hearing about it. So I'm a little late, season. late in okay. the game. Uh, basically, you and I sign up for this. They they put us in a helicopter, and they drop us in different locations in the middle of nowhere. Like, middle of nowhere, like... But same area. Like, same forest. Alaska. Same, same like... Land mass, but like we totally could be, we could be miles and miles apart. Wow. Okay. And we have to find each other. No, <gasps> you have to survive. Okay. You have ten survival items, and that's it. Jeez. Yeah. So the uh, the longest one on the the show has been a hundred and two days. Now you're talking about like below freezing temperatures, no food. Like they don't, you don't have any food. You, you know, all you have is like a bow and arrow. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Like, you know. 
Uh, do they pick like actual outdoors? Just one guy gained like 50 pounds before they dropped him in because he could go days without food. So he's trying to hold calories. Wow. So by the end, you know, you're trying to actually, you're literally trying to survive, but you're alone. You're by yourself. Wow. Okay. And they have their, they had, they each have a little mobile camera. So they don't have a producer with them. So they're just recording. And it's, I think there's a satellite signal or something like that. But anyway, <clears throat> it's fascinating. I would love to do it. Really? Yeah. So, the have you seen is have you seen the show? I'm just getting into it because you learn a like actually a lot of survival tips, things that you can eat, things that you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, you know how to how to build shelters, how to survive, like um you know all these things. And so like the the last person to like tap out wins basically a half a million dollars. Man. And there's 10 10 contestants. This but like interesting, you're What's interesting with, that you're like I want to do it, and okay. I'm like, man, I'll never do that. Well, so the, the one that I'm watching right now is in a, uh, a highly populated area of with polar bears. Oh my goodness! Okay, so it's it's summer now, but it's going to get cold. So like it, you know, it's freezing at night, but you know, like so polar bears. So anyway, what I learn now, not every survivor person on there is a you know, expert in everything. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's basically three animal mammals that hunt humans. Three? Just yeah. three? Yeah. A lion, polar bear, and other humans. No kidding. Yeah. That is surprising yeah. to me. Now, the most aggressive hunters of humans, like in general, statistically, is lions, tigers, leopards polar bears and large crocodiles okay Okay. so that's like a list of five okay okay so they're they're actually in an area with polar bears now you kill them eat them i guess whatever to defend yourself uh and they have to kill animals find protein fish squirrels whatever they can you know one guy killed a squirrel with a bow and arrow a squirrel with a bow and arrow which is that's pretty good yeah Mm -hmm. that's pretty good right Man, I would not want to do this. Sounds like you want to. But I do. So last episode, I've been thinking a lot about some things you brought up there about as far as um, we were not made for confinement, but like to run free and these kinds of things. Yes, that's sort of the tie-in. I was glad you brought that up. (laughs) But like it's got me thinking about how do I even know who I am if I don't know how to survive at least a week without like Walmart? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let me. And this was actually because it was on my mind from last week's show. Of course, I came off a retreat. I did some silent time. And then I was talking about the quote from Father Jacques Philippe, right? Mm-hmm. We're not created for confinement, right? For, for wide open spaces, like our hearts come alive. So when I say that I would love to do this, I think that certain I would love to challenge my mind and my body in our survival mode type mm-hmm. thing just mm-hmm. to see how far I could push myself. That sounds a little crazy. <laughs> but I actually... There's something in me that desires that solitude, like mm-hmm. no phone, totally in the forest, totally living off the land, like n- no smell of of the city or fog or lights. Like there's something like if you go back to original creation, like we're made for that. We're made to like, you know, till the soil for, you know, the, the land and, and just live as God created. Now, obviously, technology has changed all that. And in part, we're super grateful for that because we live more comfortably. 
we can live longer, we can bring glory to God longer. Mm-hmm. All those things have some advantages, but they have a lot of disadvantages. Yeah. And a lot of the disadvantages as that technology and, you know, comfort keeps us from relying and trusting or even hearing God. And there's something like very intriguing about just being dropped into the middle of nowhere and just being with God, being with mm-hmm. creation. That that makes my heart come alive. Yeah. Well, of course, the old saying, grace builds on nature. Yeah. So if, if we really aren't aware of our own nature or even really aware of grace. Right. Right. Like if, if we treat, if we're disconnected from nature through technology, does that mean we're disconnected from grace through technology? And I think there is some truth to that. I literally, um, I don't, I'm not, you don't have social media, um, you know, because if I go speak or, you know, my book and uh, just different things, like I know that there's, there's part of it that's good, but I literally said last night, cause I found myself, if I can be completely honest, uh, you know, clicking on some reels on Instagram. Now mm. these are just like funny videos, you know, mm. people, you know, like, uh, it, it's nothing inappropriate, but like I got stuck just kind of scrolling through some fun videos and like, I found myself just being like totally like lost in it. And then I put, finally it was like, what am I doing? I put my phone down and I just kind of said to myself, like, I, I totally feel horrible right now. Mm-hmm. Not horrible for what I watched. Horrible because I just wasted a bunch of time mm-hmm. that did nothing for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it yep. didn't, it didn't like, it just didn't, whatever endorphins that my mind was trying to click on, it didn't help. Right. You know? And and, I, and again, like I'm not saying all those things are bad, but to your point, does grace flow in that moment? I don't think. I think the gr- the grace valve was shut off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, we can only have time to waste time like that if all of our needs are met already. Like if we have no task today, let's say, to go out and hunt a polar bear so we could eat. You know what I'm saying? Like that task focuses us and keeps us uh, active in our humanity to where like each moment has a purpose then because it takes a while to track a bear. It's tracking you too. That sounds stressful. It's tracking you too. <laughs> that sounds now, stressful. I think if you leave mostly, so to get back to the bear thing, <laughs> in a sense, like I'm not an expert, but if they feel threatened, they will attack you and mm-hmm. eat you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if, if you wake them up from hibernation or if they have little ones around, they'll just automatically instinct to protect themselves. They're not obviously afraid of a human. And they will attack you and eat you and kill you, plain and simply. Now, if you avoid them, leave them alone, they don't feel threatened. But sometimes you could just accidentally walk up on a bear and they just instinctively feel threatened even though you're not threatening them. Right. Right. Just like we feel threatened by a bear if we see one. Like, oh, it's going to get us. But for them, it's like, I can do something about it. I can kill this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's more like when we see a wasp or something like that. We're like, oh, it could hurt me. And I can kill it easily, so I'm just going to go ahead and kill it. That's what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they say, like, if you see a bear act big and scream like a bear. And Even I'm a like, polar bear? Who does that? Like, who <sighs> has time for that? And then you run, they catch you and kill you. Like, you see, know. See, my step one is don't see a bear. That's my step one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay in St. Martinville <laughs> where there's no bears. Well, there are some, but there's barely any. Hmm. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, it's interesting because in 
the weird Catholic segment later on, mm-hmm. we're going to actually hear about a saint that was a hermit. Mm-hmm. And just like totally detached from the world. Now, the world wasn't the technology even back then when he was alive. wasn't what it is today. But he just went away and was a hermit. And, and yet the impact that he made on the world and still it's kind of crazy we'll talk about it so there is something to say like to get back to this idea of solitude the most valuable thing and i come back to this is the most valuable thing we have in a lot of ways is time mm-hmm. and i get so frustrated with myself when i waste time you know like what did i just do for 20 minutes mm-hmm. you know i just wasted a bunch of time like time that i could have uh, called someone who needs, you know, a phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, read something that's going to, like, bring my mind to, like, love God more. Um, write something. Um, go find a homeless person. Like, I could have done a lot with that 20 minutes that I was scrolling on Instagram. And, look, if we lived in a world that didn't have that, like, what would I do with that time? I would do something much better. So, like, we do actually, if we just want to admit and be honest, it is harder today with technology to be disciplined enough to say no to things so that we can have the solitude and the creative time and the prayer time and the quiet time and the time that like helps our minds grow and expand. Uh, it's harder to do that today than it was, you know, way back in the day. I mean, you still could have sure. wasted time, certainly, in a well, different way. Well, one of the reasons it's harder is that when when technology first comes out that that generation like whatever it does that generation knew what it was like to live without that technology but the next generation doesn't so let's say like um uh something like um i don't know what television all right so to live without television there was a whole generation of people who knew how to live a life without television right well what? the generation following that first generation of television, they don't know life without television. Right. And so for them, this seems unthinkable. And it's there that like, we have to be cautious about ourselves that this does affect our humanity and our spiritual life. If we literally don't know how to live without something other than God, Mm. like we have to really, and, and sometimes an education happens in just moments. So for example, you just went on silent retreat. I don't know how many people I've heard tell me, I could never go on silent retreat. People say that to me all the time. All the time. They're like, I don't know if I could do it. I'm like, I'm telling you. Then that's the person who definitely should. Once you're there, your human condition is meant for it. Exactly. You know, so like. You were made for God. Yes. Would it take you a day or two to detox? To like, for a whole day, I kept reaching for my phone in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Like, that is so silly. But like that's just my habit. Like Muscle where's my memory phone? And, yeah. uh, the, my clock. So I made sure I brought a watch. So I knew how to tell time and what time it was. You know, obviously. But like I was in such habits in in the technology world that it took me a while to detox from it. Yeah. But but like my desire and my nature gravitated to everything that was there. Yep. Right. The quiet, the reading, the prayer, the solitude, nature, outdoors, the whole thing. And it's interesting because even today, like when, when they talk about young people, uh, teenagers or whatever, um, if you 
they're, they're full of technology. They're much better at it and quicker, all those things. But if you take that group of teenagers, put them on a bus and take them to a camp, right? And take mm-hmm. their phones away. Guess what they figure out within a day? How to be human. Right, exactly. How to talk to each other. How to figure out how to play games. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like the human condition recovers very fast. It does. Into its original self, into its nature. And yet all these trappings sort of like keep us from being fully human, fully alive. And so we, we've got to be intentional about carving out, you know, life yeah. together. You know, like... Instead of saying, like, what what do you guys want to do right now? Y'all want to watch a show or play a game? Well, well let's just let's play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just something that's just totally kind of gets you out of, like, you know, years ago, if you were laying around your house, I'm talking about hundreds of years ago, and you're like, oh, I just want to waste time. Well, maybe I'll go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Would that walk automatically put you in greater connection with God? Yep. You don't have your phone in your hand. You're not listening to your iPods or a podcast. Or you're just literally in nature. Now you might not be aware of God, but your 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 nature is alive because you're in just the solitude automatically, right? Yeah. Whereas today, if I want to go for a walk, I got to go through this pro- progression. Do do I bring my phone? Do I bring headphones? Do I listen to podcasts or music while I go? No, I got to say no to all those things. And for me to enjoy a quiet walk, I got to be super intentional mm-hmm. as well as prayer. No, that's know? great. I love that. Because, I mean, the Christian who's ready to use technology is the one who knows how to live without technology. And the Christian who's, and I say Christian, not just human, because the whole goal of the Christian life is silence with God. Like, that's the goal. And I mean, that's what heaven is. Heaven is, the only noise of heaven is the noise of the Trinity where the Father pours his life into the Son and the Son pours his life back. So it's it's silent. It's that communication, mm-hmm. that union. That's the noise of heaven. It's not busy. It's not full of screens. It's not, like, that's the only, and there's nothing more natural than the Trinity. It's the nature that every other nature is based on, mm-hmm. is the Trinity. And so our heart is made for that. And if we can't pursue that, we can't be Christian. And so if if we catch ourselves saying phrases like, I could never do a silent retreat, or even things like a holy hour, right? I'm not saying every holy hour should be completely silent without any like book or reading aid. But if I don't know how to go into the chapel with Jesus for 30 minutes with nothing but me and him, mm. and I can't imagine that or can't survive even once, there's something going on, right? Like I need to discover before I'm ready to read a book in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I have to be able to just stare at Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and just talk to him. Then if I can do that, okay, take out a book and help because that'll help your conversation with Jesus, not get in the way of it. Yep. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Adam Conk, the bear, the polar bear today. Well, apparently I'm a polar bear today. I'm going to be hunting some you're humans. Very vicious, violent human. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in on KLFT Radio here in Acadiana um, or on the podcast, wherever you are. Thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, you and I at least talk weekly. At least. Text more. Sometimes see each other more than once a week. Mm-hmm. We're friends. Yeah, I would say so. Um, <clears throat> and you know that last week was just a stressful week for me. Mm-hmm. I had a it's just a lot going on. You know, a lot of work stuff. A lot of things didn't go great, and um, whatever. It's just life, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of spiritual attack coming off of my retreat too. That's right, right. And I think it even left. You know, after we were recorded last week. Just in a frizzy, you know. A little frizzy, uh, yeah. We were supposed to go to lunch, and I was like, hey, dude, I, I got to roll. Like, I got a lot to deal with. And, and you were very gracious in that because you understood. You've, you've been in stressful moments in your life. Oh, yeah, I understand. Okay. So on Saturday, we were talking about the heat, just just violently hot right now. <laughs> right? Like a polar bear. Yeah. It's as hot as a polar bear. And we know this. Summer, like July, August for us is just our hottest worst moths and the rest mm-hmm. of the year like i'll take it mm-hmm. right but i was so stressed and had a lot to deal with that um i went out into the woods my cousin's camp and we just he and i good friends and just like cut trails and like worked out there with chainsaws and chainsaw nice it was so hot but like there was something very therapeutic about being out there you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of got my mind off of all the things that I was <clears throat> worried and concerned about. And of course, for me, like I really connect with the Lord in nature, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, and obviously prayer, the sacraments, adoration, quiet for me. The older I get, you know, I could live under a rock. You know, I don't know. I become more contemplative. Mm-hmm. The church calls us to be contemplatives in action, though, mm-hmm. like, you know, in some ways to be contemplative and quiet and yet have this activity of missionary spirit within us, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of the segue to <clears throat> um, our weird Catholic stuff. What? Yep. That's unbelievable. Oh, you have no idea. You're weird, man. We're going to cover a lot in this. You know, if you weren't Catholic, you'd just be that weird guy with no friends. Already am. <laughs> Weird Catholic stuff. So, um, the feast of Saint Charbel, which is uh, when? When is that feast? Sunday. Sunday. Okay, so we're gonna miss it because it's Sunday, but it's happening. But a lot of times when we cover um, a saint, we kind of look at the whole week. So, who, who are the saints that we're you know kind of looking at for this this week that are highlighted? Right, right. St. Charbel is sort of, I mean, he's been around for a while, but um, he, uh, yeah, it's Sunday the 24th of July. Nice. Um, But he was, 
you know, only canonized in 1965. So he hasn't been like a saint for a while, but he died in um, 1898. So, you know, so whatever, right? Mm -hmm. 130 years, give or take, ago, he died. Uh, So he's a fairly new saint that people are finding out about. Charbel, spelled S-H-A-R-B-E-L, or some people spell it C-H-A-R-B-E-L. He was a Marianite, a Lebanese uh, from Lebanon. And um, so anyway, Mm -hmm. that's who we celebrate. There's a lot this week. There's also St. Mary Magdalene, which is pretty big. She's a big one. But with the weird Catholic stuff, we got some Charbelisms coming. Well, St. Charbel Makhlouf performed 20 well through his intercession 26,000 miracles have been attributed to him either by him or through his intercession so so recorded miracles they know of saint shorbel 26,000 okay so yeah not like 26 which would be impressive all you need is 3 to 26, become a saint thousand. right a canonized saint correct well two really two yeah, yeah two recorded yeah. Um, 26,000 miracles. Now, uh, before we get to some of the, probably some of the, the weird Catholic, the miracles, like some of the miracles are fascinating. I was actually reading about them. We were talking about them a little bit before the show. But uh, the connection with the first segment here is that Charbel, um, uh at the age of 23, joined a monastery um, in Lebanon. And he took the name Charbel in honor of a second-century martyr. Uh, his his um, his original name is Joseph. Oh, uh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And uh, he, he professed his vows in 1853 and, and was ordained a, a priest to the religious order six years later. Uh, so in 1859, he became a priest. Hmm. Um, but, okay, to tie it into the first segment is... Um, <clears throat> Charbel lived as a hermit from 1875, okay, till his death in almost 1900, 1990. So f- 15 years. That's a long so. time. 15, 13 years he lived in complete solitude. Now, as I was talking about contemporary uh, contemplatives in action, mm-hmm. is that if people went to see him, he would visit with them. Mm-hmm. And if people went to see him and asked him to come and and give the sacraments to their town or village, he would totally do it. So he didn't separate himself totally from the world. He lived in a small little hut mm-hmm. in total prayer with the Lord and adoration, but he would he would still minister to people. Uh, and so word had gotten out about him, and people would go for, like, prayer, and and miracles started to happen even, even before he died. Yeah. He was, like, an extremely holy guy. Right. Yeah. Well, look, if you're not Catholic and you're listening, um, this is the weird thing that Catholics do, is that when somebody lives a life like St. Charbel, and then they die, uh, we immediately start trying to become this, the miracles. Like, if we're in a tough spot, we try to become the miracle that gets them canonized. <laughs> so this is a weird thing Catholics do. It's like instinct. I know. I know locally we have three possible saints. So... Anyway, like when you, when you're like, oh, this person needs to be canonized. Mm-hmm. I I'm sick or somebody's about to die. I will pray to this person, 
and make a deal with them. Well, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Actually, he was beatified in 1965. He wasn't canonized until 12 years later, so 1977. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's sort of like Charlene Richard. Exactly. In our era, one of the saints that is being, you know, whatever, investigated, become a saint. Like, if you do know someone's sick or need a miracle, you would bring maybe bring her her, her, gra- her grave, her mm-hmm. tomb, and, like, just pray for a miracle in her name, right? Yeah. Whatever. So, and she's had fifteen hundred possible miracles that they're investigating. Really, fifteen hundred. So, as soon as this cat died, um, it says that uh, Christians and non-Christians soon made his tomb a place of pilgrimage and of cures. Okay, so like mm-hmm. they just knew that, that there was something very holy about him. And this seems to be unique to Catholics and Orthodox. Like, I don't, I don't know of any other faith, non-Catholic uh, Christians or. Um, non-orthodox Christians that does this we're like a really because even the the great leaders you don't like make it a place of let's go pray for healing but like it's something about the Catholic saint and or the orthodox saint that like we know that they will now help heal us from heaven you know what I mean right it's it's a weird thing we do okay but we do it right and so one of them that did that was a sister Mary Abel Kamari uh, of the Sacred Heart she had this big ulcer in 1936, and despite multiple surgeries, this was in her stomach. 1936, so this is way before he was canonized. Right. Um, multiple surgeries, nothing was helping. She was going to die, okay? Uh, she lost her teeth from this. She lost her right hand. She became paralyzed. In 1942, she became bedridden. Like, it was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so... In 1940, uh, well, 1950, she asked to be taken to St. Charbel's tomb. And when she touched the tomb, she felt this electric shock go through her whole body. And she stood up unassisted, and her ulcer was completely gone. And then they went to get testing, and yeah, no more ulcer. Wow. Like, just like that. And that's uh, one of, that's the saint that led to, that's the miracle that led to his beatification. That was like one of the ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another healing of um, Iskander Obed, a blacksmith who um, lost sight in his eye. A piece of metal flew in his eye, mm. and he was blind in his eye. Like, there was no fixing it. The doctors actually were going to remove it, and he refused to remove his eye. Um, and in 1950, he began to intercede to St. Charbel for a cure, and one night after prayer, uh, Iskander saw Charbel in a dream. The saint asked Iskander to make a pilgrimage to his monastery, when he, when, and he did. And when he arrived, he went to confession and mass. That night, he spent time praying in front of Charbel's tomb. The next morning, he awoke and had no pain in his right eye. A medical board later confirmed that his eye had undergone complete and miraculous healing and regeneration. Wow. Um, like, yeah, he, his sight was restored. No biggie. No biggie. No, not not and, at all. And this is just two of the twenty six thousand. <laughs> you know, um, the healing of Miriam Awad. Miriam Awad was born in Chakra, in Syria, and uh, she lived in Lebanon. And between nineteen sixty three and nineteen sixty five, she went through three surgeries for cancer. It was all over stomach, intestines, neck. Not good when cancer does that, right? Ooh. Um, even her tonsils became infected with cancer. Like, it was everywhere. 
And so she, uh, living in Lebanon, heard about St. Charbel. She turned to him, prayed for him, uh, for his intercession, visited his tomb. And one night she prayed. This is the quote from, uh, from Miriam. Provide me with the cure to this disease. You are a great saint who has cured the blind and the lame. When I recover from this illness, I'll go to thank you at your shrine. And the next morning she woke up completely cured. There's no cancer in her body. Wow. And uh, that was the miracle that allowed for his canonization in 1977. Wow. I um, mean, curing cancer all over someone's body, that's not like a little thing. It's amazing these things happen. And, like, somebody's going to hear this right now who maybe doesn't have faith. Maybe they, I don't know. And they'll be like, oh, well, that's, I mean, this was in 1977. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, so that we have all the recordings because it, it was it's in. medical records. It was in our time. There's medical records. So we have these stories, which is cool. And look, Jesus does the healing through the intercession of the saint because the saint draws a faith out of out of someone. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. they may not even have faith in God per se, like total faith, but they they know that the saint has has something, that, and and through the saint they 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 find God, and it's God that does the healing through the saint, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, Nohad El Shami um, was a woman. She was 50 years old, and um, in 1993, um, and that's when she was healed, um, and she was sick, dying. Um, She, let's see, uh, she was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. She was paralyzed in 1993, uh, and... She says that she saw two Marianite monks standing in her bed in a dream one evening. In her dream, the monks operated on her neck. Okay, she was totally paralyzed. Wow. Okay, are you paying attention to this? <laughs> when Nohad woke up, she had two wounds in her neck. She had two wounds in her neck from the surgery. She was completely healed and began to walk again. Wow. Noah said St. Charbel appeared to her the next night in a dream and asked her to visit the hermitage on the 22nd of every month. He also asked her to attend mass regularly, and uh, <clears throat> there you go, no biggie, no biggie. <laughs> just wow. So that's just four of the twenty six thousand. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, and it makes total sense that a man who discovered his nature and purpose so well to live as a hermit and decided to live the contemplative life in total dependence on God in solitude is then able to reach into people's lives and bring grace and healing. Yeah. Cause you talked about earlier, we're called to be contemplative and active. Well, what do you have to offer the world if not heaven? And how do you even know what, like how do you possess heaven enough to offer it without contemplation, without praying, without communion with God, without union with the divine that allows you to then enter the world through action and actually offer something. The world doesn't just need better ideas. It needs Jesus. It needs grace. It needs heaven. So here's a miracle that happened in the United States. Daphne Gutierrez suffered from uh, a malformation for 17 years. Uh, she was totally blind. Um, headaches, seizures, and vomiting. She couldn't even take care of her three kids. Um, Daphne visited St. Joseph Marianite Catholic Church in Phoenix, Arizona, to venerate Charbel's relics. That came. The saints' remains were on a tour of the 36 Marianite parishes in the United States. 
So she mm-hmm. went and prayed with the relics. Just a few days later, after venerating the relics, relics, Daphne's vision was restored. Wow. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is crazy because uh, the other day I was in a uh, men's group that was um, doing a, the group on Holy Grit. So they were reading the book and going through it. And so um, it was at one of our local parishes. So I went, just sat in in the group, got to know the guys, and uh, it was great. But we, the the conversation actually was cool because it led to, like, a lot of these guys are like, you know, this is my first, like, real encounter with the saints. Because the Holy Grit, we talk about masculinity, godliness, grit, and grace. And with the backdrop of, like, every chapter has, like, this this male saint, you mm-hmm. know, that that's real, that we can connect with their lives. So, you know, and a lot of them are like, this is like my first real dive into like, these people were real people. Like, and this is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Like, like what is, what else is going around? You know, like, like what else, what? It, so we started talking about like, well, there's actually some local saints, like, you know, uh, local saintly people who are on their road to sainthood. Mm-hmm. I think there's three, right? Three, yeah. In our area, just in our area, and probably wherever you're listening from, there's probably some in your area. But there's Kathleen Richard. I mean, not Kathleen. Um, uh, Charlene. Charlene. Charlene Richard. Um, Father Verbus Lafleur. Verbus Lafleur, who was a military chaplain. Yeah. Military chaplain from here, Saint Landry. Right. Yep. yep. Saint Landry Parish up in Opelousas. And um, Nonco Pelafig. Uh, I always say Augustine wrong in French. It was like Auguste. I don't know how to say it. Augusto. French, but his name was Augustine. But he was from France, but moved here when he was very young. And then uh, lived a long life. Never married. He uh, devoted his life really to be a catechist. So he just taught so people weird. about he Jesus. He was just a, a single lay guy. A single lay guy. And what he did was, his path to holiness was he just never stopped evangelizing. Wow. So he would knock on doors. And there have been miracles in his name? <clears throat> Uh, possible ones, yeah. Okay. They're investigating. So Verbus LaFleur, I didn't know anything about him. I went speak at St. Landry Catholic Church in Opelousas mm-hmm. years ago, and I think there was a statue of him or something. Yes, outside. Because his body was lost at sea. He gave his life on a submarine to help save people. He could have escaped himself and saved his life, but he helped people get out of the sub before it sank completely. Right. And he ended up drowning. Um, so I saw the statue. I didn't body. know anything about him. Yeah. Okay, so check this out. This is crazy. And I give a talk. It's like a parish mission, you know, years ago. I see the statue. I was like, that's weird. You know, what is it? And Verbus before, he's not a saint yet, but it talked mm-hmm. about how he's, you know, military chaplain, Catholic, whatever, died at sea, gave his life. I was like, that is so interesting, cool. I, I mean, I don't know anything about this guy. Like, how would I even? So, like, the next like the next few days I was on a flight to go speak somewhere. I sit on a plane here in Lafayette and guy next to me opens up a book and I look at the cover and it's a book on Verbus LaFleur. The mm-hmm. guy's sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. And so he starts talking to me. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I literally just saw a statue of this guy <laughs> and you have a book and you're sitting next to me on a plane. Like, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I'm, a, I'm actually, uh, the nephew of Verbus and I'm like part of like the whole initiative to like push forward his sainthood. So he had written the book, had the book out, 
was meeting with people about it. It's awesome. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where they are in the process of becoming saints, but well, it's interesting because depends on who you ask. Uh, each one of them has the best shot of becoming a saint of the three, right? So like you talk to Charlene people and she definitely has the most miracles that are being investigated. And the Vatican has gotten involved the most with Charlene. Like they've made relics of her body. Like it's, it's, they've made relics of her it's body. It's imminent. Yeah. Like this is, she's going to be beatified probably in the next few years. I mean, I'm guessing it could be longer, but point being the Vatican's acting like this is, this is going down. So she's not incorrupt. No. Mm, that would be crazy. However, I don't know if you could be incorrupt in Louisiana. <laughs> if they put you in the ground, man, the swamp will eat you. It's true. Uh, Father Lafleur, however, is more well known in because of his military chaplaincy and him giving him his life heroically. So, like, pe- priests especially know about Father Lafleur because he's a heroic priest, right? Hmm. So you might say, well, he has the the fast track because he's so well known. And then, but the thing is, Lil Nonko, who nobody really knows about. T-Nonk, boy. He's the furthest along in the process itself. So yeah, he really? Just, yeah, he just had his, um, they approved his, like, life as virtuous, heroically virtue, let's say. And then, so he he's actually further along in the legal process to become a saint. So, Are there any miracles in his name? Because sometimes, like, if you have all these him, miracles, yeah. like with Charlene Richard. 1,500. Then yeah. that kind of fast tracks you pretty fast. You like Because you can't deny... It's kind of like with Charbel, mm-hmm. 26,000. Miracles started happening as soon as he died. Pe- people were bringing or going to his tomb and receiving healing. You mm-hmm. know, he was a hermit. The Vatican didn't know about him. Right. The world didn't know about him. Right. He was a hermit, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like Charlene. I mean, she's from, you know. Richard, Louisiana. Richard, Louisiana. She died when she was 11. Yeah, sort of like a St. Maria Goretti, you know? Yeah. But. You know, like, I guess word spreads when miracles begin to happen. And and I've said this uh, for a while now. Like, I, we are in a time in salvation history where we need miracles to, like, wake people up mm-hmm. to the reality of faith and God and salvation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why this Sister uh, Wilhelmina miracle of her incorrupt body in, in uh, Missouri is unexpected like she's not she's not on any path she was just a slightly known holy nun that's it but all of a sudden whoop she's incorrupt and her habits incorrupt and like what is god dig her up by the way they were moving her to the main uh church because she was like in a a general area she's the foundress of the community so So they were just moving her mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah she's still intact yes and so, like, what, what does God have in mind with, with that kind of message to us, right? Like, and I think, to, to prove your point, we are entering a time where God is going to do things like that. Right. And miracles are going to happen. And, and uh, especially in America, we're still very young as a church. You know, in Europe, you had these golden ages of saints and miracles, uh, times like, you know, when St. Thomas Aquinas lived and he knew St. Albert the Great and St. Bonaventure and like all these saints, 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 you know? Saints made saints. Right. Like that was a wonderful time. And then you had the the time after the ref, the Protestant revolt where 
people like St. Teresa of Avila, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. John of the Cross, like this, this missionary time where we went into the new world and brought Christ, but we also reformed the church. There's certain movements of holiness like that, and uh, I think we are going to come upon a time like that, and it's going to involve miracles. Hmm. Not without pain and suffering and you know, as a church, but like an exciting time, a missionary time, also a time of martyrs. As Saint Pope Francis likes to point out, we have more martyrs today than ever. And so uh, the Vatican actually has an, I don't know if you heard about this, but they have an initiative to investigate the the vast martyrdoms that have happened over the past, like, 20 years, um, to investigate all of them and then get them beatified. Wow. It's so, like crazy. new saints, you know? All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare. 844-387-8533. Here we go, man. Finishing strong like we always do. Why not? Start week, finish strong. Are we almost on show 300? Or like, where are we? In Episode the 249. Oh, 250. That's what I was trying to get at. I ha- We're I, so close. Yeah. I have to believe we've done more shows. We haven't. I mean, that's a lot. 250, even if we did one every week, which we haven't, even if we did, that's like years, years worth of... It is years. It feels like years, actually, <laughs> too. We've changed a lot in those years. Hopefully for the better. You know, changed Hopefully a lot. For the better. We've been through years of different jobs and roles and <laughs> have... Pictures of us looking very young, you in particular. Yeah, I was, that was pre-beard. Mm-hmm. Now you look older, mm-hmm. more wise. You got Gosh. a beard. You got more gray in your beard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest to the Deacon Bear fans, which I think just includes your mom. Right. But, um, I've thought about shaving it recently because there is a lot more white in the beard. So I'm thinking it's like you went, you went from looking 35 to 45 yeah and i don't say that like because 45 is not bad right but you're not 45 no no i'm not 30 not eight yeah you're not even 40 so like the beard definitely ages you you know Mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad thing no you know at the end of the day who makes that call your wife will you still call me deacon bear if i shave my beard yeah okay yeah have any of your kids never seen you without a beard? Yeah, two of them. Never. Mm-hmm. That's going to be wild for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. yeah, you may have to prepare them. They may have to like go in with you while you shave because it could freak them out. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, this is me. We're gonna shave. You know. Yeah. Because I had a friend who did that, and like one of his kids like freaked out because it it was like, who is this man that I sort of recognize but like doesn't look. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, I thought it was hysterical. 
It is hysterical. Plus, I don't know how you do a beer in the summer. It just ma- does it feel more hot, or is it doesn't really? You just don't notice anymore. Last time I shaved, it felt like there was a hurricane on my face. Like I was not used to wind. Mm. It, I mean, it just felt like I was walking through a hurricane, which I, I wasn't. Well, like if I was going to be dropped in the Arctic for the like the show alone, mm-hmm. I would. I think a beard would help. It keeps yeah, it's you warmer. A little barrier to nature. It's yeah. got to be. Yeah, it's a little be. filter. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I just grow hair everywhere and just become a like a you know I don't know like a caveman looking person. I think that sounds good. But <clears throat> yeah, this one guy on the show, he drank a gallon of milk a day and a gallon of olive oil. To gain weight. He gained 50 pounds for the show, like to hold calories, because by the end of it... He consumed a gallon of olive oil Like, you gotta, you gotta realize, like, you're hiking or you're walking all day in the woods, you sleep out. You're probably gonna consume, like, half the calories you need. Mm-hmm. You know, some days you might not consume hardly any, maybe some berries, but some days you might catch a fish or kill a bird, and so you're gonna get some protein, but you're gonna... You're gonna definitely lose weight you know so calories like keep you alive you know because your body's feeding on those days off of the fat of your body man and i guess that's the so when you don't have that you don't have that your body will just eat into the muscle or you know it's it's pulling calories from somewhere you got to yeah it's got to this is why bears back to bears they hibernate (laughs) in the winter because there's no food to keep calories so they're like we're just gonna sleep we're going to hibernate sleep so their body doesn't burn as many calories, mm-hmm. you know, because guess what? Animals burn calories. I mean, it's just kind of part of the... That's part of our design. Yeah. I wonder if like a, a, a good retreat kind of does the same thing. Like you load up on spiritual calories. Definitely. Hands down. I don't think I would have made it through last week without some, that retreat. So like you can bank those spiritual calories, but they'll definitely over time get used. Get used so you have to kind of keep feeding yourself spiritually with calories and that's a good point you know on the spiritual level is like you gotta you definitely gotta put you gotta put as much calories spiritually in your body that you're gonna use because if not you deplete your calories so the best you know the best way to lose weight is you burn more calories than you take in right well and god knows what we need so just like with the bear like they have an instinct for now it's time to eat a lot now it's time to go to sleep for a long time. Wouldn't that be nice? Now it's time. Well, I think we have those spiritual instincts. I think the spiritual masters talk about this um, consolation, desolation pattern to life that God uses. Uh, I think that is that, right? Like there's a a time of retreat is clearly a time to just soak it in, right? Just like eat all the grace. <laughs> you right. know, it's a grace buffet. Um, and there are other times in life where maybe things are simpler, maybe things are not as complicated, maybe things are not as uh, exhausting. It's a time to just soak it in, you know, like soak in that time of grace, that time of abundance, that time of things making sense and clicking right, because it's not going to last long. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's okay, because like God is preparing you for that time where things seem confusing and chaotic and like what the heck is going on. But because you know God loves you and you have all these spiritual graces from this time of consolation, the desolation, you can survive it. Well, like physical calories, I mean, we can definitely overeat. That's how we gain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not burning those calories. <clears throat> um, 
but I don't think you could spiritually over calorie. No, I mean I think th- well, in, in you some can, ways you you, you if can. you do it in a disordered way, but yeah. like in a healthy way, you're right. No, you can't. Right, like you know, like if you were Saint Charbel and you just went away and like just told people no, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That would be uncharitable, right? To love people and reach out to people. So yeah, as he was, you know, constantly spiritually intaking calories, he was more than willing to give them away, right? Right. So there was this you know, inflow and outflow of grace in his life. So for us too, we can't give what we don't have. Right. right. So yeah, certainly like we can take in so many spiritual calories and not love people, (laughs) not serve, not be, you know, contemplatives in action as we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And certainly as you were saying, it could be out of order. Right. Yeah. But we certainly can't say, well, you know, this 30 minutes of prayer time is not going to do anything for me. (laughs) I don't need it. You know? Right. Um, but if we did that all the time and, and we refused to help and love other people, didn't live the commandments, serve Jesus. And, you know, then, then yeah, like it's sort of this disordered approach to the spiritual life. Yeah. The church gives us a beautiful symbol, every Easter vigil of this exact reality of, of the Easter candle. So we bless a fire and then we light the Easter candle who represents Christ. Like the candle is Christ. And, uh, the fire of the resurrection, the life of Christ, is then passed on from candle to candle, person to person. And then we say in the exalted, a light that does not grow dim from being shared. Hmm. Right? So this idea that the handing on of the light of Christ to others, the spreading of the gospel, of the good news of the resurrection, doesn't diminish us spiritually. It actually makes stronger to share that right so this this healthy contemplation to be shared this healthy like every day i have to i have to be lit by the the light of the easter candle i have to put the wick of my life into the fire that is christ so that i could actually share that fire with others um that's a great image to take every day but if i'm just like trying to get into that fire for myself and like I, I don't have time for others I don't have time for um, the way that the Lord wants me to share the gospel today like I'm just worried about me like that's not a hermit necessarily like, that's, it, that's the thing it's hard to tell the difference when I'm being spiritually selfish or spiritually generous because mm. sometimes they look the same like if I just don't want to deal with people so I'm going to be by myself you're not necessarily a hermit. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what a hermit is. That's true. A hermit's not running from people. A hermit is is running to Christ and then is ready to share Christ as God calls us to be shared. And so, uh, yeah, this, this spiritual, the calories that we need spiritually to get through the day are, uh, are available to us in Christ. Like, he knows what we need. And he's prepared today our daily bread. And he's, he's taught us to ask the Father for this daily bread, these daily calories that we need. Amen to that, dude. Just and he's, he's like the best, uh, what is that, Nutrisystem, where they yeah, prepare man. your meals. <laughs> like God has every day planned out meal-wise, you That's know? That's hysterical. Dude, what a show, man. I had a great time on the show today. This has been good. Uh, look, here's my piece of advice to you, to everyone listening. Don't, don't get eaten by a polar bear. <laughs> Just stay away. You'd be the bear. Or a crocodile or leopard or tiger or lion. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, just, you know, but, but live epically at the same time. Man. How about that? Live epically. Live epically. You know, you do what God wants you to do. Man, that's good. So anyway, thanks everyone for being a part of the show, listening on the podcast or KLFT radio. Uh, super glad to be a part of the show and we will talk to you next week. God bless.